Hey, everybody. I'm really excited to have my guest with us today. This is Ali with the Lead with Meaning podcast. And today I have with us uh, Casey Jones from A Better Jones. Casey, how are you? I'm great. How are you? I'm doing great today. I appreciate you taking the time and, you know, spending some time with us today. I'm honored to be here. I'm, I'm really excited to have this conversation with you. Thank you. So Casey, I was really uh, drawn to a lot of your content, primarily on LinkedIn for a while now, when I just, um, I'm always impressed with people that are using video and putting themselves out there just because I'm so afraid of it. So I'm always like impressed by that. And one thing I've shared about this podcast is I'm always trying, I was trying to have conversations with, um, with people on topics that you know were really important to me not just in my personal life in my professional life and that's something that really stood out to me was your authentic self and i know one of the things we really wanted to talk about today was the role of women in leadership and how it's changed for several years so um, i'd love to kind of hear from you on what do you think about the current state of you know women in sales and marketing and you know and what are you seeing um on your side of the fence yeah um First of all, thank you. I really appreciate that. The the being authentic in a public way, it was it's been a it's been a process and it's been a journey. And and oftentimes people think that they see my ability to do it now and they think that it must be something that just comes naturally to me. And it really, really isn't. So I want to emphasize that this is a thing that truly anybody can do, I promise. Um you get, it gets easier and easier as you do it, as you push your own envelope just a little bit. Um, when it comes to women in leadership, I think we're in just a fascinating time um, because I feel like there are more women taking very, very public roles. There are more women really speaking out. Um, and I feel like I am just constantly inspired by the women that I'm seeing make these bold, authentic moves. And um, it kind of, it fills me with hope. And I, and I will also say the younger generation, so I'm, I'm technically a millennial, but only because I'm like, what, like a year into the cutoff. So I don't really, I don't know, I don't really consider myself a millennial, but these young millennials and these, Gen Zers, I mean, they're so naturally bold and passionate in this way that it's just, I don't know, it fills me with with hope for our future. I mean, I don't think my generation when we were 16 could be Greta Thunberg. I just don't think that that was possible. And And so watching young people of every gender and race and all the rest just being very bold and outspoken, I don't know, it gives me, gives me tingles and, and hope for our collective future. Um, thank you for sharing that, you know, for, um, uh, and I was curious just to kind of piggyback that because I would totally agree when I look at the younger generation, um, they are so bold and so strong and so confident. And um, it's nothing that I would do, but I, I do tend to put myself in, in a different bucket anyway. Um, but what have you seen? I've been really curious because one thing that stands out to me is we're definitely seeing a big push for more inclusion. Um, one of the things that's really impressed me about A Better Jones is not just speaking on women advocacy, but of people of color and things of that nature and really putting yourself out there on topics that matter. What do you think we could do in the community to like draw, draw people into the sales and marketing community earlier from a younger age? So... 
Well, from a younger age, I think it's, we really need to shift the narrative that sales isn't something that is like a, is a last resort or is only for D1 athletes that didn't become professional athletes. It's, it's, it's actually a phenomenal career. And what's amazing, I actually recently got connected to a woman that has created a whole program at Oregon State University. I live in Oregon. Um, that's all about, you know, teaching college students how to sell. And I think we're seeing more and more of that. Um, But I think when it comes to this whole diversity and inclusion conversation, somebody schooled me on this, and I I wish I could remember who to give them credit. Um, But it was a huge aha for me, which I just, I didn't get it. Oftentimes we're looking at diversity. We think, oh, well, we just need to hire more quote, diverse people. But what someone explained to me is that that's not the issue. You have to solve for inclusion first. Because if you haven't solved for inclusion first, if you haven't created an inclusive culture and you go hire more people of color, they're not going to want to work there and it's not going to be a great environment for them. And they're, they're, you know, you're going to have that high churn and it's going to be a crappy experience. And so you know, really applying intention to how do we all as individuals be more welcoming and more open to other people and to people that don't look like us or come from a different background. And I think that's the work that we all need to be doing of, of, and I will say it's, it's, you know, it's not easy Mm -hmm. owning up the things you don't know and owning up that like, you don't really know how to talk about a certain thing or you don't know the terminology to use. Like it is awkward. It is an awkward process. But if we can all do that work, even just a little bit of being more open and and being more vulnerable and being more welcoming, um, I think we're going to see the, this like steady rise in in change and kind of evolution um, in our society, but of course in our industry as well. Oh. I took note, I was, I was um, preparing for this interview earlier and when I, when I was looking at some of the values you have at A Better Jones, I, I, I could have written them myself, empathy, grit, giving first, honesty, um, hard way is the easy way, I love that one. But the last one, um, a strong back and, and a soft front. I won't have you go through all of those, but maybe you can break down the last one because I, I know you had some some challenges over the last year I want to dig into those, but what does that value mean to you? Yeah, so that's a that's a phrase I learned from Brene Brown. Let's give her credit. She's a goddess. Um, and it's this idea of, you know, being tough and strong, but not letting that not letting that harden our heart or block us off from others. Right. And I love that idea of of being vulnerable and being open to others and and no not letting that you know weaken us not letting that um you know minimize our strength um but absolutely soften our interactions with others and our ability to really connect with others Hmm. have you seen that during this you know um period of the pandemic that world that we live in today one thing, and I, and I think at least for me personally, I, you know, I've seen it both sides. I've still seen some of the 
sales shaming taking place and lack of community and things of that nature. But I've also seen a large community of people really coming together and supporting each other, you know, through uh, job loss and health challenges and issues. I'm curious, what, what, what have you seen as far as, you know, things like empathy and compassion? Is it just a buzzword or are you seeing it really starting to make its way into, you know, the corporate world? It's tough. Um, I, I'm with you. I've seen a lot of good things, but I've also seen a lot of from oftentimes the exact same people, mm. a lot of things that I just, I really disagree with and I don't think serve others. And that does make me, it doesn't make me think that it's less genuine, but I think oftentimes it's easier for us to show our compassion in these very specific avenues. And sometimes we don't, give ourselves and give others the space for us to be compassionate about what their struggle is, right? Like we will pick and choose where we want to be compassionate and empathetic. And that's not really the point, right? And so I think this, this willingness to put all of our judgment aside and it's hard. And especially during this period when we're all going through hard times, it's, it's tough and we have that swing, but you know, something that I've learned in therapy that has been really helpful is like, if you have a really strong reaction to something, I don't care what it is, taking the time to sort of take a step back, take a deep breath, get connected to that, you know, that, that feeling and getting curious about it. Because sometimes if we are really annoyed at someone for doing something, it's because of something that is like seven layers deep within us. And, you know, I've been in my, my book club, I've been part of a virtual women's book club for almost four years now. And so we were lucky because we didn't have to transition to virtual. We always have been. (laughs) And we're reading um, uh, The Places That Scare Us or Scare You by Pima Chodron. And she's got this great story in the very beginning where she's like a little kid and she's kicking a can down a dirt road. And this lady sitting on her porch says, like, hey, little girl, you know, don't let life harden your heart. Mm. And I think that's the thing that we all kind of need to remember is like, yeah, things are tough. And we want to put walls up, but the the mission, the journey in life is to keep our heart soft. Yeah, that's beautiful. I just took note of that book. Um, it, it reminds me of, I read recently Suzuki's um, Zen Mind, Beginner's Mind, and he talked about never entering a conversation with a preconceived attachment because you can't be full and you can't be present. And you can't truly be empathetic if you're coming with something there. Um, and the second half of that was, um, and I've shared this before, was um, the something called the Sufi Gates. Most are familiar with probably Rumi, who's a who's a Sufi poet. And um, there's a there's a saying with the Sufi Gates, which is, "Is it true? Is it needed? Is it kind?" So when we get that trigger, and we want to respond respond quickly, you know, and I. I intertwine that order depending on the situation <laughs> that I'm in but to, to that point trying to really be conscious and, and really think through it because I think at least for me in sales and I've been in 
Earlier at sales for a long time, we've heard em empathy and compassion thrown out quite a bit. Um, and I always want to like truly try to be truly empathetic. But um, no, I think especially now more than ever, it's important for us to come closer rather than apart and accept that we're all doing you know, the best we can, at, you know, but at the same time, we can all do a little bit better. Um, the reason I want to touch on that, because I know last year, you, you know, or this year, I should say, you know, Casey, you were, um, you, you faced a kind of a traumatic situation. And I won't ask you to go into it unless you really want to. But the reason I thought it was important to talk about overcoming challenge, yeah. overcoming trauma. Um, I've spoken in the past about something called the subconsciousness scale, which talks about all those layers of emotions. And um, gratitude is on the top right under enlightenment. And it's really hard to be grateful for opportunities that are so traumatic, but that's how you change things in your way. And I'm sure there's a process to that. Um, but I thought maybe you could talk one uh, just about kind of what I call silent diseases, which are trauma, you know, because a lot of people don't know what people have gone through. Um, there's something that I listened to recently from a psychologist mm -hmm. that stated that if you have a trauma beyond a certain age, or even if it's so bad where you kind of bury it, mm -hmm. there's certain barriers that you can't get past in your life because you never really faced the trauma. So I thought maybe you could talk a little bit about maybe your process of emotions of how, what, what got you to a place of um, turning it into a miracle or calling it a miracle. Yeah. Um, it goes back to that, not hardening your heart, mm. honestly. And, and I think it also, I will say like the number one thing that, that made the difference for me is talking about it and speaking about it publicly. Um, you know, so I was very lucky. I was very fortunate when this whole experience happened that I was already in therapy. And so I didn't have to go find a new therapist. I'd, um, and, and truly, so, you know, I won't go into detail, but I was, I was attacked by a dog on a Wednesday and it was really bad. I was in the hospital. Um, I genuinely thought I was going to die. Um, and uh, I had, I had pretty extensive surgery on Thursday. And I remember I fell asleep Thursday night and then, you know, in the hospital, they come into your room like every two hours. And so I woke up at one o'clock in the morning and I couldn't go back to sleep because I couldn't stop crying. And I remember at like three or four in the morning, I remember it dawning on me that my, that's funny, my, um, my therapist sort of, I, I normally say that my instinct was that I didn't want to talk about it and that I was not gonna to wanna to talk about it and that every day that I waited to talk about it would become exponentially harder. My therapist the other day said, was was that your instinct or was that your trained behavior? And I was like, ooh, Good question. that was my, that was my <laughs> trained behavior because we don't talk about hard things in my family. Yeah. And we and, and, mo and most don't, most don't most talk don't. about the important topics that we should discuss, you know, and you and I were talking before we, we hit record about, you know, how do we rewire some of those habits that were handed down to us from our parents and our parents' parents and so on and so forth. So you're right on the money. Oh yeah. And, and in my family, it's like, you don't talk about hard things and you never talk about something that someone might pity you for. Like, that's like the cardinal sin. And, um, but I recognized that I needed to, because that I, I knew that that would, that would, 
I needed to. And so my therapist was like, maybe that was the instinct. And I was like, okay, all right, all right. And so I started talking about it. And um, throughout this entire process, I've just, I've used it as an opportunity to, to look really deep inside of me and be very honest about who I want to be and mm -hmm. what I want my life to look like. And I am, you know, I am not exaggerating. I would not wish this experience on anyone, but it is, I view it absolutely as a blessing for me. Like I have a much better understanding of the person that I want to be, um, the kind of life that I want to live. Like I am so filled with gratitude in a way that I, I can't even put into words. And I never could have conceived that I would have this. And I think the biggest thing is every trauma, every challenge, if you are willing to do the work, if you are willing to look deep inside you and understand what it means and understand what it uncovers within you, it can be a blessing and it can be something that propels you forward in ways that you couldn't possibly foresee. But it does take this willingness not to retreat, not to hide, not to shut down, um, but to kind of crack yourself open. And this mm -hmm. is something that, you know, the, the phrase that I used a bunch when this was, when I was recovering from this is that I felt like my heart had cracked open, mm -hmm. that it was raw and exposed. And even though there was something really scary about that, there was something absolutely exhilarating about it as well. And what I've seen is that I have been able to form much deeper connections with people. And um, it, it's turned into an incredibly positive experience for me. Hmm. Um, I'm sorry you went through that. I remember reading about it and one just even though we hadn't met formally being just having this level of concern and you know even imagining that type of situation um and i applaud you for one putting it out there and, and you know sharing this because even when you and i connected you you had reached out on you know kind of something you're working on a project and we just had an opportunity to connect and you're kind enough to say this is a conversation i think people need to hear and um you're we're here today having it so i want to just thank you on all those fronts um, I'm, I'm curious though when we think about trauma, because, you know, I, I like to say, I think I was blessed that a lot of the core traumas that I may have experienced in my life, I unraveled in ways that maybe I'm functional or I've, I got deep enough to where I don't feel like they affect me. I'm sure there's stuff buried because there is with all of us, right? Yeah. Um, but for, for most people, I think there's something that may have occurred and they may not be have the courage or the support system or be in therapy or maybe have the financial means to kind of face it. What are some maybe tactical tips or things that you, you had shared, like your support system was there for you, that maybe we can help people realize that there is light at the end of the tunnel? Because one thing that I've seen that is really close to my heart, it isn't so much trauma, but it's people that have allowed a life experience to alter their best self. Yes. And it usually always is a trauma. Yeah. And it always like pains me when I see people that I know are so loving and have so much in them, but for whatever reason, get in their own head. 
yep. and they can't get out of their head. And one of the things that you had shared with me before we, uh, when we were preparing for this discussion was, you know, you says it might be a controversial topic to talk about turning trauma into a blessing. And, and yeah. I said, I don't think it's controversial at all. I think that's the right word and that's the right framing for us to talk about this. How do we help people look at that obstacle as the way as Ryan Holiday would say, and say, I know that something's holding me back and I wanna be my best self. What can I do to start that process? So become a student. Yeah. And I think you and I really, really share in this. <laughs> be, become, a, become a student of this stuff. I mean, it's like, like literally just go down the rabbit hole, learn everything yeah. you can, read books. And the biggest thing I think about all the time is, you know, we are what we consume. Okay. Oh, and yeah. yes, we say all the time, oh, you are what you eat, but you are what you eat mentally and mm -hmm. spiritually and emotionally as well. So, you know, I, I've gotten to a point where it's like, I don't really pay attention to the news. Like, mm -hmm. yeah, I, I know what's going on and I pay attention to headlines, but I don't, you know, I used to spend 30 minutes reading the New York Times every morning. I do not do that anymore. You know, feed yourself with positivity, with positive things. And, and, and truly, what I was saying earlier, when you have a strong reaction to something, don't shame yourself about it. Don't shame others about it. Get curious. Curiosity is the thing that can save you. It can make you. It is the greatest power that we have in our lives. And when you get curious about why you're having a particular reaction, that's when you can start to uncover what it is about that situation that is creating that response. And then it becomes much easier to figure out what is the thing that you can do to solve it. And I think that's the problem with getting caught up in your own head is you get, you get um, detached from your ability to kind of change it. And someone said something to me recently that has just really stuck with me. When we take responsibility for our life, for the things that go well, for the things that don't, and it, you know, it's very easy to, to wanna blame someone else for our circumstances. But when we instead take responsibility for those things, that is the ultimate freedom because when you take responsibility for it, that means you also have a responsibility and an ability to change it. And if it's someone else's fault, you've got no agency. But if it's yours, you've got all the power in the world. And, and that's what this is all about, is finding your own power, finding mm. your own source, so that you can create the life that you deserve. There's a lot in there, Casey. Um, I've always said um, blame is the easiest way to not take responsibility for yourself. <laughs> I was smiling when you said that. Um, no, so I recently um, have started to dig into Robert Greene's work um, a little bit. And uh, it's not a little bit, it's, it's pretty detailed work. His books aren't that small. Um, but the one that I went through pretty quickly, which was a smaller one, which was Mastery. And he talks about, you know, we all are a blessing. You know, we all have our unique mastery built in inside of us. And as children, we all had our un unique traits and skills. And somehow along the way, we lost sight of that. 
And I think to your point, we need to go back and really re-educate ourselves on who we are and what really matters to ourselves and to us yeah. and align those beliefs, you know, as well. Um, if somebody, you know, um, is going through that, one thing I would always advise is don't feel like you're alone, um, yes. you know, um, because I'm fortunate that, uh, you know, I grew up with both parents, you know, and in, in, in a loving and supportive household and but still, you know, you get lost along the way. And um, but I've, I've seen people have trauma really affect them. Yeah. Um, and um, it's, it's, you know, it's something that I think we always have to deal with. And you have to pull yeah. those tools out of your pocket. But like you're saying, it's really important to protect your energy. Um, I know for you, um, you and I have, have shared some conversations on grounding and balance yeah. before. Um, and really, if those aren't familiar, grounding is really tuning your energy, you know, so that you can be, you know, grounded for um, kind of your parasympathetic and your sympathetic states and really keeping things calm. So similar to, to Casey, I don't have notifications on my phone. I um, have a routine to ensure that I start my day the right way. And I have a lot of screen hygiene and um, what I read, I'm very protective of. One thing that um, you had shared with me that you do as a part of your routine is um, a letter to yourself with your visualization. What, you know, maybe yeah. you could share people a little bit of some of the tricks you're using, you know, to kind of tune and prime your day. Yeah. So, um, and I'm, I'm a huge, huge, huge believer in kind of habit and routine. Um, I think there's genuine freedom in discipline. And mm -hmm. let me tell you, this is another thing. I was like the least disciplined human on the face of the planet until like my late twenties. So I promise you, if I can become hyper-disciplined, anybody can, you can do it. Um, but so, you know, big things for me, I write out my to-do list at night. So tomorrow's list is written tonight. Um, because that way I know exactly what I, what I want out of the day and I can kind of kick the day off. Um, in the morning, well, and I, I actually, I do it before bed and also in the morning. So yeah, I write, I write a couple of different letters to myself. So I have a 90 day letter. So it's, it's a letter that I wrote 90 days in the future about all the things that I've achieved and how proud I am of myself and all of these things. And I print it out and I, um, uh, or you can write it out and I read it to myself um, every night and every morning, but I also have a year letter, three years letter and a seven years letter. <laughs> and the seven years one, it's interesting. It's like, I didn't originally make it as a letter. Um, I, I heard about it on a Tim Ferriss podcast, like years ago, okay. that this woman who, and I don't remember her name, this woman who's a, she's a design teacher at some design um, school in New York. And she has her students do this that she has them write a, it's basically like a day in your life, yeah. seven years into the future. And she said, she makes all of her students do this. They all grumble when <laughs> it is assigned. And she said, she was like, you cannot imagine how many students about four or five years after they've written that letter, send me an email or give me a call or send me a note saying, I'm gonna cry just talking about it, saying, oh my God, I've achieved everything already. Oh my gosh. And that's the thing. It's like, so I will also say, let me just take a, a, a quick pause. I have learned that since I had this dog attack and since I've gone through this recovery, I start crying anytime I talk about 
somebody going through a really powerful transformation or somebody doing something to help someone else. I just start weeping, even with it's even when it's very silly things. And it's one of those things that I'm so grateful that I cry over this. It makes me feel so connected and so happy. And this is part of the cracking your heart open. I'm, I'm present with things. Curious, were, were you closed before the event, or a little closed? So I have always been somebody that cries pretty easily. Okay not like this. Okay. <laughs> um, and I was, I was definitely, um, the lot, you know, the last seven years of my life have been tough. Um, hmm. my, um, my parents were moving, they had everything that they owned in storage and someone that worked at the storage unit stole literally everything that my parents owned. So like family antiques, photographs, like you name it. Um, I went through a really tough divorce. I had a business partnership kind of fall apart. I've had multiple health diagnoses of, of autoimmune diseases and chronic Lyme and then this. And I think I had let all of these things start to close me off and weigh hmm. me down. Um, That's tough. That's a lot to take on. It's a lot. And I will say that this was the breaking point where suddenly I realized all the things that I, I needed to be doing on a daily basis that got me reconnected with my purpose and, and who I want to be. And, and, and honestly, like these letters that I write to myself, it really helps. It's, mm. I get inspired about my own freaking life. Yeah. <laughs> like, that is an amazing feeling. And when you can start your day, inspired by the person that you are becoming i mean you're i pro you'll be like i don't know i don't don't know you can quantify but like 20 percent more energetic no it, it it helps i mean um so i i think we've all heard that statement make your first thing in the day is start your day with by making your bed you know or like i think jordan peterson yeah. and others talk about that and you know my wife's sleeping so i haven't done that right yeah <laughs> it's a little I'm strange to make my bed with my yeah. so about a month ago i started doing it like fold my my side of the bed right? and you know i have my other part of the routine but i noticed i did feel better starting the day with a certain task this, you know to so on and so forth she eventually yeah. says can you stop making the bed because you're waking me up and i had to come up with something new to do for that part of the checkbox but um, no, I, I'm a I'm a huge believer of Kaizen or the compounding effect of atomic habits. And I think often we see that big wall that we're climbing up and it is about the process, not necessarily the outcome. Um, I love that that um, the aspect of a letter Marcus Chan who I had on the show talked about that as well. Mm -hmm. He did something um, that I told myself I'm going to do, which is he recorded it and he, and he, he listens yeah. to it. And I, I, and I can see the impact of both. Um, uh, so yeah. And I, I, I keep wanting to record my affirmations because I think that yeah, would exactly. be powerful. There's something about, I think the hard part is like when you've got a, a mate sleeping in bed next yeah. to you and you're trying to like whisper your letter to yourself, because I do think it's most helpful to read it out loud. Okay. Like when you read it out loud, I like, ooh, it's powerful. Like, you know, yeah. It's powerful. 
So I think I might have shared with you because um, we, we both shared our topics on gratitude journaling. So just for, for, for the audience, you know, you've heard me talk about routine a lot because I'm obsessed with it. I think almost anybody that's come on has had some form of consistent routine. So you're probably yeah. seeing a trend there. Um, you know, and again, in sales and marketing, we're outcome driven roles. Um, but it is, if you, if, if everybody should have read, you know, Carol Dweck's growth mindset or grit or limitless, it is about the process, not about the outcome. And that process is about the daily consistent habits that we do daily. It's not about um, just letters or working out. It's about finding these consistent traits you could do on a regular basis to help yourself be grounded. And finding the ones that really speak to you, because yeah. sometimes there will be, and, and, and know that it's kind of an evolutionary thing where like, start with one of them. You don't yep. need to do 10 habits all of a sudden because you're not going to stick with it. So start with one. And what inevitably is going to happen is that one, you'll kind of nail that one and it'll start to feel really good. And you'll be like, Oh, what else should I do? Starts and it snowball. starts yeah. to build. Yeah. It starts to snowball, but in this like really beautiful way. And you will start to be one of those people that annoy other people because you're always smiling. And you're always in a good mood and it's, and people get annoyed at first and then they're like, you'll break it. It's kind of great. Yeah. Yeah. It it, it does become contagious. Um, One I've started recently, I I re-listened to Lisa Nichols on impact quest. I don't know if you you saw that interview. It's an old interview of hers and she's telling a story. If you, if you do know Lisa Nichols story, like she obviously a rags to riches, you know, and she's telling a story when, she was um, in a poor financial state and she had to wrap her son's diaper with uh, like a cloth. And she just told herself, we'll never be this poor again. And um, one of the things she started to do and her story is great. So check it out on Impact Quest. I could put it in the link in the comments, but she talked about um, every morning telling herself that she forgave herself for seven things. And she was proud of herself for seven things. And so um, through this pandemic, I did go home gym style and I wrote on my mirrors in a, with a marker board, I forgive you for, I'm proud of you for, I'm grateful for, and I am, because just like you, I start my day with like an hour of affirmations. Mine are recorded, I, you know, um, that I found a link. So I'm not on my phone, but I can play it quickly. And just saying those forgivenesses and those the things I was proud of, even in a month, I noticed this huge relief that what I didn't know was there. And it's so powerful, like you said, to vocalize it and to do it and it works, you know, so. Oh yeah, we're our own worst critics. <laughs> and it's, you know, we're, we're, we're constantly taught growing up this like negative self talk. Yeah. And it depends also on like who your parents are. I love my parents and we have a great relationship, but my parents are, a high praise, high criticism. <laughs> so it'll be like, you know, I mean, they'll say incredibly glowing, wonderful things about me. And then in the next breath, it's like, you know, the last conversation I had with my parents, they were talking about how they'd watched the YouTube video of a recent podcast interview that Ashley and I had done for the other side of sales. And my dad was like, oh, I loved what you were talking about. That was so interesting. And my mom was like, you know, Ashley's eye makeup looked really good. You really need to start stepping it up. You just looked kind of sloppy in comparison. I was like, thank you. Thank mother. you. Mother. I appreciate so grateful that. for this yeah. comment. 
<laughs> like, okay. Yeah. And like we were, we're taught that and unlearning it, that's a process. And like, we do have to be deliberate about unlearning this negative self-talk and we would never speak to another person the way we speak to ourselves. Yeah. Or a client, right? Or anything or else. Or a client, right? you know? yeah. Um, so one question, Casey, I always like to ask uh, people yeah. on this show is um, if you had to offer a piece of advice um, to a, a younger you that could help them really be impactful. And I might give you two, a twofold question. One being, you know, I know that there's something that I've been avoiding facing that's holding me back just because we touched on that one. And the younger might be just on somebody, um, you know, I, I, well, let's just use that one first, you know, and, you know, what would you share with them to kind of help them realize that they're not in it alone and there's there's light at that under the tunnel. There's a blessing on the other side of it. I would probably tell myself, you are so much stronger than you think you are. And I don't know how I would put it, but I would really think through and I would find a way to tell myself or to teach myself that there is a voice inside of me that knows more than any of the other people that I'm listening to. Mm. Any of the other people that I think whose advice I need to follow or whose affirmation or, or appreciation I need to earn, that, 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 that inner voice knows everything that I need to know. I just need to listen. Listen, yes. Uh, we are our own hardest, you know, judges, critics, and we listen to ourselves the least. <laughs> uh, Casey, this has been great. I really can't thank you enough for coming on and sharing all these insights. Where can people find you? Where can people learn more about you? Where can people, you know, check you out if they're interested in um, hiring you for any of your services? Yeah. So come find me on social media. Um, every single platform is a better Jones. I literally yesterday decided that I was going to start, um, being active and creating content on TikTok. So we'll okay. see, what that <laughs> see how that goes. Right. Um, but yeah, I mean, come find me on social. You can also go to a betterjones.com. I'm always open to talk. I have been through a lot and I've been through a lot of trauma and I have found a lot of mm. ways to turn it into my superpower and i yeah. promise you can do the same and so if you ever want to talk about it hit me up yep well casey thank you so much for coming on today everybody if you're not already connected with casey please check her out um she continues there's a lot of thought leaders out there that say hey check me out look me up send me a message and it's just a wolf ticket casey is not that person you've always picked up the phone you've always sent me a note you've always been supportive so i can't thank you enough for joining and i'm you know um we look forward uh to seeing more of your stuff online thank you ali